Hi everyone and welcome to Opera Omnia. This is season four, episode number two. In season four, we're looking at the three films from British writer-director Alex Garland. On the previous episode, myself and my resident guest were sat down and looked at Ex Machina and were rolling into his second movie, which is once again a sci-fi, but now leaning more heavily into the horror. This is Annihilation from 2018. My resident guest was for the entirety of season four is the phenomenal JP. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Duncan. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to continuing uh, this director's filmography now and into the future. So yeah, yeah. Glad, glad to be here. Thank you. Right, so we got the one out the way on the previous episode that you hadn't seen. So we're now into territory that you're familiar with because you've seen both the this movie and the, the next one. But this one in particular, on the other show that I do, Podcast Under the Stairs, we have done the infamous summer series. And I remember when, in last year's run, when we're looking at the 2010s, this was a movie that you were, I mean, it's safe to say, kind of pushing for for that 2018 episode now this is a weird title to be covering because you would have thought of all the critical press that garland got for ex machina his next project you know there's more money in it it's a bigger studio that's behind it you would just assume maybe rightly or wrongly that this would have been the one to catapult him to stardom and it has all the critical all the critical acclaim that any director could want but this is one that the studio very very quickly dumped on netflix everywhere except the usa so the usa is the only place it played in theaters and even then it was in a tiny window did you catch it at theaters or was this one that you saw when it swung around to the netflix um i actually didn't even know that but oh. yeah i actually did see this in theater um and i remember that there really wasn't a ton of marketing behind it and i remember just seeing one trailer like a couple weeks before it came out and i was like oh that looks very interesting because they showed a lot of like the shimmer and and the visuals and i was like this is interesting and then when i seen the movie i was actually surprised that not many people were talking about it because yeah. i thought it was a very interesting movie so yeah that it is weird how that this film you would think would have you know catapulted him more into the mainstream and it really didn't and ended up just kind of flop plop, plopping on the netflix uh, yeah. a few weeks later yeah and the and essentially every territory except the usa because i think it, the plan was originally it would have like it's I, I call it advanced run essentially the proper release schedule for the usa and then the rest of the world gets what's left um, and sometimes that's in line and sometimes it's a couple of weeks late sometimes it can be months sometimes it's not at all good example of that recently is that X played in the UK about three weeks after it played in the States Peril has played in the UK, in the USA is not playing in the UK at all for really no, yeah no reason at all and it did well over X did really well over here so it's just not being released in the UK at all that's but. very odd very strange, but what happened off the back of this one, and you kind of touched on it, I don't know if Paramount knew how to market this at all. And I think as a result of that, it, it went out, not a lot of people went to see it, so they panicked, and they did what... And you remember 2018 was the time for panicking and dumping things onto netflix this went this way and within a couple of weeks i want to see that um that cloverfield movie um the third one yeah the, yeah yep. that went straight to netflix they didn't even they didn't even try that in cinemas so i think this was maybe in and around that time period where they're like we can put this on netflix we can recoup some money they'll pay for it and uh, we'll, we'll hedge our bets and it feels like a missed opportunity because I mean, it's, yes, it's a, a dense sci-fi movie for sure. And it's a traditional sci-fi movie, very much like Ex Machina. It involves a bit of thought. You know, it's not a, a one-dimensional story by any stretch of the imagination. But I saw, <laughs> like the year later, um, I saw a sci-fi movie called Ad Astra at the cinema. And it is even more kind of 
retro 70s obscure you really have to think quite a lot and and i saw that any massive multiplex which was fucking <laughs> empty in the uk and the reason that one played because brad pitt was in it so weird <laughs> like it's like, i don't think there's any consistency at all interestingly enough ad astra would double really really well with this um not not nearly as into the kind of cosmic body horror as this is but um in terms of tone pacing and just reverence for kind of 70s sci-fi it's in there so you 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 are in the enviable position because garland himself said in interviews around the time of this movie coming out he did not make this movie for the small screen and you mm-hmm. know it was kind of cool that people were going to get to see it at home on netflix but this is in his words a big screen movie he wanted people he wanted the audiences to see it in a theater because of the gravity of the visuals that you were talking about so yeah it didn't it didn't arrive there there's another part of me that thinks there is an audience for a movie like this but it's not a huge audience i 100 percent agree i think stuff like this is very heady and studios are not um confident that it's going to translate to the mainstream yeah. and i think it's almost sci-fi in general i think is mm-hmm. just like not really what people are looking for in the mainstream right now and it's very disappointing to me because as we talked on the last show sci-fi has really been hitting for me lately especially like this modern sci-fi when it's done and when it's done right Mm -hmm. it's very interesting what the the concepts and things that people are coming up with and now we have the visual effects to be able to do these ideas that people would have had in the you know in the old days of sci-fi the sort of golden age of sci-fi uh now you can do a lot of this with computers mm-hmm. and you know we we kind of harp on cgi and stuff but if, if there's one place where cgi is beneficial <laughs> yeah. it's world building and in sci-fi films these giant massive ideas that are just practically are are probably not possible yeah how do you build the shimmer in anything other than a digital world it's like it's right. mind-blowing. like the visuals in this one are are part and parcel of the experience um garland himself once again said um about the 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 kind of the working in the sci-fi realm is that he'd written scripts and other mediums and he always felt like a bit of a fraud if he was trying to put in a message like any message at all anything that questioned anything it kind of felt like he was peddling an agenda um, but he never felt that way about writing science fiction because it's the place to experiment with questions of morality, your 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 place in the world, existentialism. Um, our best answered here because science fiction is is kind of almost like a a look into possible futures um, and examining on a, a, on some level where we are now and how we might end up there, and those heady questions. Once again, it's one of the few genres where you can ask something and not have an answer because it's forward mm-hmm. thinking. Like in a drama, that never works. <laughs> like in a drama, right, like right. you like if, if there's a messy breakup, you better have some sort of reconciliation or you know like some sort of final exclamation mark at the end, or audiences walk out pissed. Um, in science mm-hmm. fiction, you can really, in the case of this one, it gives you an indication of what the movie is kind of setting up for the end. But, I mean, it ends with, and we'll get more into it when we come to the review, it gets into a question and answer session where predominantly every answer from the, the, the eyewitness, Natalie Portman, is no. You know, do, do, do you know what they were here for? No. Do you know what they were doing? No. And it's short one word answers, and I can't think of any other genre where that works except mm-hmm. science fiction. It's like you just have to kind of take it as par for the course that not everything can be explained i I think and and it almost makes it more interesting that there's not these finite answers because the possibilities are endless a hundred percent you can have the you can have the conversations with your friends about a movie like this afterwards and get different perspectives and different opinions because of that instead of the well, he was a killer, right? Oh yeah, he was totally the killer. Yeah, that's what I had. You know what I mean? Is that you know, is that sort of is that sort of binary yes no answer that science fiction and a lot of levels, not all the time, but it allows a, a 
a huge degree of grey, which I think is really interesting from a, an audience point of view, but also from a discussion and a review point of view as well. And his next movie maybe doesn't have as much as that. Like, Men is, mm-hmm. like, straight for the jugular, although there's plenty of sub- <laughs> subtext, and we will get into it. I'm very excited to do that. But mm-hmm. I am... I, I'm, it's Like I say, it's one of those ones where, like, having Saw Annihilation... And I, I was already preconditioned that I was going to enjoy it. It's once again in the sphere of, of, of kind of the interest I have in cinema by a director that I really like. Um, and it was coming to Netflix, so I, you know, I got it the day it dropped, and it, you know, I was really excited. And I sat there and watched it, and it, it kind of mulled around in my head for about two or three days after. And I, like, I, I kind of. I've watched this now four times, and every time I watch Same, I've watched it four times as well. (laughs) Like, every time I come away with it, I'm like, yeah, I think he's meaning more of this. And I've I've went a journey, they're not too far away, each kind of idea that I have about what he's saying. That, you know, there's a slightly different angle, but they all come back to the the, the kind of same central premise. And the messaging's all through the movie. It's not, like, hidden, hidden. I think it's more just the different aspects or the nuance Mm. that I think that's in the story. And once again, nuance is not a bad thing. And he still manages to put in some terrifying scenes of body horror in this. So it's kind of like a more... In a lot of respects, it's like a more refined David Cronenberg. Like Cronenberg asks those questions. There's always those questions on some level, either social or political or a bit of both. And he asked, he asked them, but the body horror element has to be just as in front as the messaging. And for some reason, Garland manages to have that messaging still be interesting without necessarily having the body horror part right at the front. And I think that's a, I think it's an interesting technique that he brings to this with that because. If you if you grew up watching Cronenberg's movies or even to an extent Lynch's movies, there's a lot of that in here. It's just the 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 weirdness and the kind of almost the cerebral fuckery is totally in this movie. It's just not the movie. Whereas those directors, that is the movie and the messaging is a vehicle for that. It's really 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 strange, and I think it probably shouldn't work as good as it does, but. Yeah, every time I've watched this, I've come away higher on the movie as well. Even on this, so fourth, have I. Yeah, yeah, even on this fourth, it watch. gets better the more that you watch it because you start like ha- understanding it a little bit more. Yep. At first, on surface level, your first time watch, you're just like, "Oh, this is like a weird, um, you know, cosmic horror thing where everything is is sort of mutated." But yeah. like the more you get into it, you see that there's th- these human elements to it, and you you sort of understand how the actual science of this uh mm-hmm. shimmer works and that adds to the richness of the film oh 100 it's, it's, it's very layered and i think it's better for it now we are teasing people up here we we better get into this or we will have talked about the movie before the trailer please so we're going to take a short break for you guys out there you're going to hear the trailer for annihilation when i return myself and jp we're going to be discussing that movie and we're doing it right after this can you describe its form no. Start from the beginning. What do you think I do when you're away? You think I'm out in the garden pining, looking up at the sky? <laughs> Why aren't you here? I gotta leave a day early. Here. Let me see him. He's extremely ill. You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. It was his decision to go in. It's something they termed the shimmer. We've sent in drones and teams of people, but nothing comes back. But something has. You're a biologist. You served in the military. If I knew what happened, I could save his life. The boundary's getting bigger, it's expanding. We're talking cities, states. You need to know what's inside. So do I. It's beautiful. Check this out. 
like they're stuck in a continuous mutation. Anything interesting in there? No. Sharks have teeth like that. Not possible. You can't crossbreed different species. What is it? The soldiers on the last expedition. They went crazy. Or something in here killed them. Something's come through the fence. Through the fence? We have to go back. I can't go back. We can camp here tonight. It's destroying everything. It's not destroying. It's making something new. And welcome back. So yeah, this one directed by Alex Garland, as all the movies in this season will be. He did the screenplay, but it's based on the novel by Jeff Vandermeer. I've never read the novel. I don't even know if this is a faithful adaptation, but mm -hmm. um, one day I probably will check it. It's the same way that I love Under the Skin, which also would twin with this movie really, really well. Um, mm -hmm. I love Under the Skin. I, I think the adaptation is great. I tried doing the novel and I, I was bored to tears. <laughs> oh, wow. That's unfortunate. <laughs> the novel is... And the thing is, I know people that are like, it's, you know, it's an incredible novel. It's just a bit slow for me. But mm. it's the movie is slow, but there's enough happening visually that I'm entertained. The book doesn't translate the same way. Um, yeah, that makes sense. This movie has Natalie Portman in it. It has... Jennifer, Jason Lee, Tessa Thompson, Benedict Wong. We have Oscar Isaac, um, John Schwab, Gina Rodriguez, and Tuva Natovny, I think is how you pronounce her name. Um, there are some other people here, probably not the, the, the main cast that you're going to spend a lot of time with, so we'll jump past that. The synopsis is listed on IMDb. I kind of like this one because it... Like, I would read this on the back of a VHS cover. I would totally watch this movie. And <laughs> it gives nothing away at all, really. A biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. And that's kind yep. of... That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's the gist of it, right? That's the, that's the slimmed down, simple version, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's... The, like, I imagine that's the version a lot of the mainstream wanted from this movie and it's in there but like there's a lot more in there and i think right. that's maybe what 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 turned off some audiences who were just expecting a kind of i don't know like an aliens clone uh mm -hmm. you know <laughs> <laughs> it ain't that um i suppose like we've talked about this before i'd what i like doing in opera omnia is not necessarily going beat by beat through the movie but it's, but rather get a chance to, to, to kind of explore things and then talk about scenes in the movie. So I, I mentioned it before, I've, I've done this movie four times now, and initially, very much like you said, the first time I watched it, I was all about the effects and like specifically the, the, the animal stuff and the, the mm. idea of uh, the mutation stuff was all I, I really had in my head. I, I approached this as pure sci-fi the first time I watched it. And what's been interesting on the time since the second time I watched it, I thought the movie was a complete allegory for cancer and how mm -hmm. cancer is a foreign body that is, you know, basically invades our system, mutates, and then ultimately kills us. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, repl it, like, rep it replaces cells, but in a negative way. So I was, I was very much of the opinion that that's what this movie was aiming for. You know, it was, it was kind of pushing that way that, like this kind of the entire idea of this kind of the movie starts with cancer there's two or three mentions of it throughout the movie so that's obviously what it means but, but on this most recent watch I've kind of changed my opinion again I do think it is about kind of there is that idea of like uh, duality and cellular thing but I think it's now more the the most obvious kind of solution in here is the conversation with the psychiatrist in the middle of the movie like character played by uh, jennifer jason lee where she basically says you know um humans are self-destructive like they, they yeah. are like immensely self-destructive regardless of the good job you have you find a way to fuck it up regardless of the relationship you're in you'll find a way everyone finds a way to destroy something and it's it's so 
blatant in this movie that all the characters here have like m- like what we would class as like either like like a dark past, a dirty secret, or a major personality flaw that ultimately leads to their downfall in the movie to an extent, but also leaves them susceptible when they enter the shimmer to, to mess with them. So that's kind of after this fourth watch, I'm like that. This movie is is about the self destructive nature of of humans, and that, that mm-hmm. that's that's what it's about. I I'm wondering if any of my takes thus far resemble any of your takes of watching the movie or or am I way off on the side somewhere in the weeds honestly it's almost beat for beat of like how I thought of the film versus the times I've watched it like at first I thought it was just you know more of like this cosmic uh, outsiders coming in and and like the thing or something but then I was just thinking about like the whole cancer thing because there's a character that has cancer too and like that's a theme in the movie and Mm -hmm. How the cells sort of mutate and change and stuff you think of cancer um and then by the like you know third or fourth watch you know i'm thinking that especially when you get to the very end of the film and it's quite literally like a doppelganger situation of like yeah. this per- like yourself holding you back like i think that when uh natalie portman runs for the door and like literally herself is holding her back yes like, yeah, that, yeah it's literally you know <laughs> there's it's a lot so, of stuff like it's that so on the, the film, nose though. that it might as well be punching you <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah but but at the same time it's so on the nose but i didn't even notice yeah. it or put that together the mm-hmm. first time i watched it mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah i think i think on top of that as well like even them to and it was like the subtle the subtle details that are maybe not subtle maybe they are blatant like that but um you know like all the characters go in a way shape or form around around the ways that the the baggage they brought into the shimmer i'm thinking specifically about um the the, the young woman who is the, the super smart one who's also a self-harmer and mm-hmm. uh, like her affliction in there is from the scars on her arm plants start to grow um yeah. so it's so it's so like once again it's so on the nose the paramedics paranoia completely takes over which is in line oh. with you know like in line with her like affliction that she comes in with as well which i think is like it's like so on point that it's kind of it makes me wonder how I missed it in the first watch. There's something that I can't believe I missed three watches in. Um, so the one of the characters has a tattoo of a snake eating itself. Yes, yes, yes. I'll pick this right? up this time as well. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the snake's eating itself. Self-destruction. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then on top of that, I didn't even notice that tattoo trans- transfers to Natalie Portman's By the arm. end of it, yeah. Yeah, I never noticed it. And yeah. I was like, wow, that is so cool because... It goes to show that like that this sort of the shimmer is not only just changing like essentially it's the anything that's around like two different organisms or, or people or whatever, yeah. it like combines the genetics of of them. And almost the idea I think is eventually that like everything is everything. Yeah. You know everything what I mean? Becomes because what? the yeah. shimmer is expanding outward. And that's a cool concept in itself where mm-hmm. it's like in Florida and it's just over the years that it's since this crash landing it's been expanding and that's terrifying right yeah so yeah. they're trying to figure out how to stop it and stuff but yeah the snake eating itself thing i was like yo that is so cool and it's stuff like that that you know that you're dealing with like a filmmaker who has ideas and cares and is interested in the concepts because you can watch a movie three times and not notice that and it's just another thing that adds to the entire idea and concept that sort of um you know, uh, it, it it's the structure of the idea, yeah. and it's all throughout the film. Yeah, it's right there from the start. That's that's the genius of it. Is like it's the first time you meet her is in the interrogation room, and she has the tattoo on her arm. And like, I, I, very much like yourself, I never noticed it. Like, never noticed <laughs> it before until this watch around. And um, I don't even know what it's like. There's a scene where it's the paramedic that has the tattoo. And it's a scene where she was moving around. And I'm like, oh, she's got the same tattoo. And I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> like, 
like, like just sharpened, take a breath, and I was like, oh no, it fucking didn't. Um, right, because also there's the whole idea. It's like you know, it has the Tarantino esque where the, it hops around in like time, like you're with her yeah. in the future, and then you're with her in the past, and then you're with her in you know. So you're not like when you first see the tattoo. You, and then you see it on someone else you think that it oh they have the same tattoo but then you put in your head oh well this is way later that yep. she has the tattoo you know yeah it's like I'm like how did she like did, did they get tattooed when they were in the shimmer was there a tattoo parlor <laughs> what we're doing here um it's just I, I, it kind of goes off to the side i think i think it's really and i love very much like yourself i love movies that reward viewers for repeat viewings there are certain movies yes. that i love that i will never get like i will never gleam any more from on a second viewing i watch <laughs> it because it's fun but right. a movie like this when you watch it like a second or a third time and you you get halfway through it you visibly start to maybe even on a subconscious level when you're not focusing or hyper focusing on it you get a different experience and then because we we're doing it for the review this time i was like super conscious of everything that was going on um like one thing that i had totally and i don't even know how i like how i hadn't picked up on this i'd like the because this movie pays not only homage but certainly influenced by a lot of horror movies which always confused me when people were like is annihilation a horror movie though and you're like yes yes it, it clearly is but is it yeah. though is it like, yeah yeah it clearly is you know it pays homage to you mentioned it before the thing it pays a match to event horizon like the scene where they find the videotape and it's just everyone has went mad and they're slicing each yeah. other up but, i mean that's event horizon if ever there was one there's nods to the blair witch here i mean like the 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 bear that speaks like the the woman and she's like oh yeah, yeah it's, it's Cass, it's Cass," and they're running like no don't go Cass is around the corner they're all tied to chairs very much the thing again it's like all uh -huh. these they're, they're just different set pieces in here the thing i hadn't clocked and I don't, this is a dumb Duncan admission here. Like, I like to put myself over as a bit of a smart ass. You know this, JP. I'm like, yeah, I totally <laughs> knew that. Yeah, God, the first time around. I didn't realise, and I hate myself for saying this because you're going to laugh. I didn't realise it was the bear that had Cassie's voice. Until Dude, the, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah, all right, cool. I heard that a makes lot of people say really, You're not the only one. That makes me feel really happy. Once again, because I was paying attention this time. Uh, I was like, is that in her head? Is she? Because the rest of them are all gagged and they kind of respond through panic because she gets hyper and she's paranoid at that point. That I always just had assumed that it was something in her head. You know, like she, it was all in her head. She was like, she was hearing it. So the audience was hearing it and she went round. But this time, obviously, when the bear is in front of the, the woman's face and then starts making human noises. I was like, oh, it's the fucking... Which, like, that scene's terrifying. Yeah, that shit is, is. creepy, dude. Yeah, that scene's terrifying <laughs> as is. Now it's even more terrifying. It's, yeah, remember, because the bear actually tears out her throat, too. That's, so. Yes, like, so of course, it, like, takes her vocal cords. So, of course, yeah. that's the bit that's going gonna, gonna to merge in. Which, once again, I think is kind of... <laughs> it's just like... It's just like... The, there's creepy, and then there's just a little like sprinkles of creepy you can put on top of something, which just makes something even creepier. And that, to right. me, I mean, that's always been one of the the prominent scenes that everyone's talked about. It's the fucking bear in the movie, and I was always like, yeah, the bear's terrifying. But now I'm like, dude, the bear is terrifying. <laughs> like, you know, it's like <laughs> the bear is really, terrifying it's really now. fucking terrifying. Like, <laughs> like, let's just talk about how terrifying this bear is. Um, it's really, 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 really well done, and I like that on there. Even down to the, and like this is obviously something I picked up on this time, so I can say that uh, the previous times. But it's the detail about like the horror and the beauty of what's in there as well so like you get that bear is one of the most grotesque mutations you're gonna see it's you know it's, it doesn't ha appear to have skin over its, uh, its its mouth or or anything like that it's got its bones but it's like obviously still a like a, like a giant bear the the kind of albino alligator that you get as well which is kind of terrifying i love that thing yeah it's absolutely terrifying look it's such a cool effect but when you've so you've got these these elements of a pure horror like body horror pure horror but on the flip side of that you're then also faced with the the beauty of what this is doing whether it's plants that grow in the shape of humans the those to me are one of the coolest aspects of the film 
by the time you get to the end, it's yeah. and and even one of the characters sort of accepts the fate and almost like welcomes it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it almost does give this like beauty, sort of like peaceful mm-hmm. existence. And it, it, I could kind of see where like you would want to be part of that in a way. Yeah, and specifically the the plants, the flowers that sort of grow in the shape of like humans moving or holding hands is just eerie to me and it it really sort of by the end of the film like it it puts like such a stamp on Mm. the idea and and the movie as a whole and uh yeah that that part actually really like is creepy to me even though it's pretty flowers but it's in the shape of humans and you know that was once humans yeah well it's like that way where if you've ever seen the so the in italy there's that island of pompey the one that the, the volcano went off of like a what right uh, yeah hundreds and hundreds of years ago and there are people preserved essentially in in what is now kind of ashened like hardened lava but preserved in the positions they were in when the volcano went off and that you know, like so there's the like holding hands sitting at a table you know these sort of things that that are very much of uh something that you would see that that denote life but there is no life there i'm with you mm-hmm. on that one that is it's 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 beautiful but it's haunting it's a very kind mm-hmm. of haunting scene and you're right with the the woman who um the woman who's played by and i'll get her name right now played by tessa thompson she has the so she has the the plants growing or she like you say consigns herself to what's going to happen and she rushes she runs away and eventually when natalie portman's character catches up there's just a sea of these plant people and then it goes even further so you get that aspect but then by the time she reaches the lighthouse um the sand has created like crystallized trees and it's this really beautiful imagery but totally otherworldly like when you look at it's scary it's scary in its beauty because it's not of us yeah it's not what we're used to even though visually it's beautiful Mm -hmm. it's not us it's not what we know so that's terrifying to us and we know that it's forcefully invading so that's also terrifying (laughs) yeah so the the setup to the movie overall like i said i don't want to go beat by beat you've kind of touched on it already is that a meteor crashes on earth um smashes through a lighthouse in florida um of all places and um what's happened in the interim is this shimmer effect is starting to bubble out and beyond and it's slowly pushing out its boundaries with the assumption being that if it's not stopped that'll eventually consume the world and it's changing it kind of think if anyone's out there thinking i've not watched this movie but you have seen um the color of space kind of that idea where things are kind of morphing out and changing elements as they go another movie that would pair really well with this if you can get through the crazy nick cage it, I, I mean it's worth it's worth the jaunt um but yeah like it's slowly changing things natalie portman is a biologist who studies uh, cellular like a uh, complexities and uh, <laughs> biology and like, science shit yeah, science <laughs> shit she's a science woman and another thing that we should probably talk about here that like for for all for all uh, Hollywood likes to make a lot of banging the drums and like whipping noises and all the rest for for movies with like predominant female casts this is like the lead cast are all female in here and they're all mm-hmm. smart and strong and empowered and I don't know about you I thought that might be a marketing tool for this movie, which wasn't used. You would think so, especially like how things are right now, where like any type of thing like that, people studios like hammer it home. Hundred percent, it's known. Um, And yeah, it sort of seems like nobody even mentioned it, but and they even make a point to explain why that is because previously they sent in all males and. Now they're like, okay, well, this isn't working. Let's try to send in a female team. Maybe that'll be something different. And that's just natural um, ideas, experimentations between science and trial and error, you know, and it makes sense. It's beyond that. It's the, the, the teams have sent it before are all males, but all military. So all essentially quote unquote meatheads. So right. they decided to send in all women and all scientists. So mm-hmm. it's all smart women. Like, it's just, like, once again, you sit and you think to yourself very much that we're not going back years 
where, well, that wasn't an issue in 2018. Totally fucking was. Like, <laughs> totally was. I just, uh, like, you would think of all the ways you could market a movie which wasn't marketed very well, that might be something you want to lean into. I don't know, to get audiences to go. And they're, they're written that uh, they're written in such a way that they pass the Bechdel test. So the Bechdel test is that famous uh, test that they, they use in movies where if you have... To pass the Bechdel test, you need to have two women having a conversation in the movie where they don't m mention relationships or men, which you would think would be an easy thing to pass. <laughs> Trust me, it really isn't. Um, it really fucking isn't in movies. Like the bit of movies I've seen that have failed the Bechdel test because I'm like... Oh, oh yeah, they're instantly talking about their husband or their boyfriend or the girlfriend or whatever it is. But this movie like easily, easily passes that. And it's got complexity with it. Like you mentioned before, the characters all have their own reasons for going into the Shimmer and they're all as complex as each other's. Mm -hmm. The big one being the, the one that you find out later on, which is um, Jennifer Jason Lee's character who's dying of cancer. So like yeah. she really is kind of... Like she claims she's going in because she's the only, like I've been here since the beginning and I need to go in there to find out what's going on. It's because this is you know this she needs to do this before she dies, and there's a mm -hmm. finality that comes with that that's forcing her to do that. Once you understand that, that character's entire interactions all the way through the movie make a lot of sense. There's a kind of yep. quiet desperation in her. It's really well played actually. I love Jennifer. I Jeffrey. agree. I think she's 100%. an incredible actress, but. On the subsequent rewatch, and I'm like, that's such a clever choice. You know, like the way she's kind of, she's very reserved until she gets in there, and like everything she does has this motive behind it. As soon as you realise why she is behaving the way that she is, I I think that's kind of great. But yeah, they all they all go into the shimmer to solve things out. Natalie Portman, she's got an ulterior motive here. She's kind of found this project by accident. Her husband um or boyfriend or fiance um kane played by oscar isaac who's returning uh this is his second movie he's not in the next one so you don't have to worry about that but <laughs> he's returning here much smaller role um a lot less dancing as well he wasn't like dancing with robots in this one although that would have been fun to see <laughs> uh so he's um, he's in this as the he's he was a military guy who was sent on a covert operation in here and he appears like relatively near the beginning of the movie like what you think at first is maybe with PTSD uh, or, and then you start to find it's maybe an infection by the end of the movie it's positing something completely different because we see evidence of this kind of swap change um, yep. kind of shift that they've done but what I love about this is that it's, it's exactly once again what uh, Dr. Ventress says in the movie about self-destructive patterns how we like she she says well would it, like um, they're having a conversation and Portman's trying to work out why would have taken this mission if he knew that previous teams had been there and and not returned you know like, essentially went in there and disappeared or died or whatever and he's like why why would they commit suicide and she's like well mm, very few people <laughs> actually commit suicide it's more that people are self destructive which links back to this and she's like there could be a lot of reasons for you know being self destructive and she mentioned some people destroyed their their work life, some people destroy their social life, some people destroy their love life, wink wink um, and you know like we, we see, and it's really smartly put together as well, you talked about the flashbacks the moment she enters the shimmer we get a flashback to her having sex with a colleague which we'll get a couple of times through but it's almost as, as if that's the foreshadowing of her reasons for entering like her ultimate reasons is she finds out that he knew yeah, she has a tremendous amount of guilt because essentially, you know, she feels as if she caused this um, for him to even go there. Um, and, and that's and, and out I, in the movie. It's like in the movie later on, he goes a day early because he finds out about it. So that that yeah. is a, that is actually her feelings of guilt are bore out from from this, um, which I kind of like as well because that's one of those things where a lot of movies wouldn't pay that off. And this movie's like no 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 he like he 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 strongly suspected so that's why he did it so yeah I like that yeah and again it it all goes back to the self destructive nature of of us and Natalie Portman is being self destructive uh, with her family her relationship mm -hmm. her 
you know, all that. And, and I just think that the, the everything, even outside of like the sci-fi and the shimmer and everything, like even the people and the, the backstories are rich and well done. So like you really have a all around well done film here. Well, you need that. I think that's like we, we mentioned before. It's very easy to to deal with lofty subject matter and then just either not pay it off, but put in a position. The amount of times I've seen a movie with like really good messaging, but terrible acting and ca- terrible character development, or vice versa, like great characters. Like you're watching it going, this script is fucking tight and these actors are great. And then you find out what the messaging is in the movie and you're like, that's kind of dumb. Like, you just wasted this great cast and this really dumb idea. I can't believe you just did that movie. And this one here, it's... It's supremely... Like, we mentioned this in Ex Machina. This is a supremely confident movie. Mm-hmm. And th- this is a guy who is in his second feature and he's tackling something even... Like, there's a there's a theory that a lot of directors in their second movie will attempt to especially if they've had success off the first movie just basically try and do that movie again um you know but with a bigger budget this movie is not ex machina yeah it's still dealing with ideas and concepts of this time instead of like what makes what do you require a soul to be human essentially is the you know the question from the 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 first movie um mm. by the time you saw it this movie it's well like what is it to be human if ultimately humans are so flawed that they destroy themselves and like it's a continuation on a theme but it's a much love and and also by the end of the movie you're like you know it's sort of what do you still have to have to be considered human you know what i mean like how much of you do you need still to be you yes and it's like kind of the opposite (laughs) yeah it's like an inverse of that question you got in the first movie i mean the insinuation at the end of this movie depending on how you read it is that we now have two altered beings that are you know molecularly changed by and genetically changed by the shimmer who are embracing an inner relationship that are likely going to procreate and have a kid and spawn a new genesis of human evolution um, on the planet. And I think the original ending, I don't know if you know about this, but the original ending, because they had to change, they had to change everything in the movie, but the, the, the financiers behind the movie, i.e. the studio, got really twitchy on this, like really, really twitchy, and they wanted a lot of it changed because they felt it was a bit slow and a bit too highbrow for audiences. Um, and they wanted some details changed. The producer of the movie apparently had final cut, and he was like on point with Alex Garland, so a lot of it didn't change, but the ending did change. Um, they added additional things in. All that scene of her going to um, Oscar Isaac at the end and embracing in that glimmer in her eye, that was added. The original idea was that she would just escape and be filmed, and then leave that open-ended question of, well, what's happened here? And then the shot would pan to the world, and then you would see more um, meteors coming towards oh, wow. it. Which, you know, wow. was like, like, that was the original idea, and they were like, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> Studio was yeah, like, no. <laughs> what we're we doing here? Uh, we, we, make, we make happy dreams for our audiences. Let's not do that. But that was the original idea, and as a compromise... Which you know the uh, Alex Garland and the producer would be happy with, and the studio would be happy with, was this idea of right. Well, if we can't have that, then the insinuation is that the the existence of these things continues on through the characters, um, in a way where you actually see their eyes glimmer. So that's why you get yeah. that shot at the end, as you know. And originally that shot wouldn't have been there, but the ending would have been the same because you would have seen all these comments come down and go, "All right, well, you got rid of one, but here comes the rest." <laughs> <laughs> like so, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, but the, the there's another thing that I love about it as well, and it's um, another take that kind of really settled on me of the idea of of not only self-destruction, but destruction in general. The thing that kills the aliens in this movie is the introduction of fire, which is man-made. 
Um, and as soon as the entity like assumes fire into it and then tries to recreate it, which is why it holds it in its hands, it burns yeah, that's, everything down. I, that's something I didn't notice the first two times yeah. I watched it as well. That it's attempting to create, like, uh, mimic the fire. Mm -hmm. That's cool too. <laughs> Such a fucking cool concept. Such a cool concept. I, I love it. Like, because you see the earlier when she shoots bullets at her, like obviously it's, like the bullets go through and the, but it, it essentially creates like tendrils at his back, which I think is a cool idea because it brings it all back in. But the idea of of trying to like assume fire and create it yourself, but that in itself fire wielded by people that don't know the power of fire like see if you went back in time and you like met a caveman and gave that caveman a flamethrower i think history would be a lot different <laughs> you know what I mean? I think a lot of the world wiped out um because you, like, you can't control that element you don't understand the power of that element so when that when this alien entity this kind of version this amalgamation of all these cells this assumes it and tries to wield it in a way which is not responsible it ultimately burns everything down and it, like i i love it this one says it's heady as fuck i mean that's such a cool concept i can't think of any time i've ever seen any movie do that and that's a that's a massive tick on this movie because like the sci-fi world of movies it tends to be variations on a theme. So you will have seen similar stories done before. It's just what flavour are we going to put on it this time? And in a lot of respects, Annihilation is doing that. We mentioned sci-fi horror movies already. But this is very much a movie that feels like it marches to the beat of its own drum. It puts its own very unique and prominent story arcs, ideas and um, kind of attribution over the top of it. And that to me elevates it like quite a bit it makes it really really stand out i also think on top of that as well if you sit and you talk about in that decade the 2010s if you were to list out the top five science fiction movies of that decade garland's two for two like oh, like i yeah. think i think both his movies are on that level where if you were doing a mount rushmore of science fiction movies from from the 2010s both both these movies are in there because they feel like they have a very powerful voice and they're also utilising the the genre the right way to deliver that instead of the clumsy way like we mentioned before. Let's 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 kind of laser down on on some particular things. You mentioned you liked the, the, the albino alligator scene. Yes. It's a really cool introduction because you're in Florida, so it makes a lot of sense. Right. Um what is a like see when you watched it the first time were you like what the fuck are we doing <laughs> it's like giant fucking white shark uh, kind of white um crocodile comes out the water what, what, what were you thinking so i've always first of all alligators and crocodiles mm -hmm. to me i've always i like carly actually kind of makes fun of me for this but i've always thought they were super fascinating because they literally are monsters like they're dinosaurs you, if you didn't, if you never seen an alligator, right, or a mm -hmm. crocodile ever, like you didn't know they existed, and you're walking through the woods and you saw that, you would literally think you ran into a monster, mm -hmm. like a like a monster. Right? Yeah, it's like, like genetic... oh shit, monsters are real because yeah. they look so freaky. Right? Genetically speaking, if we're going if we're going on like the, the the templates of like the creatures and animals and all the rest. I'm sure, like they, they say that their actual their their design, their structure, the way they look, and all the rest has not changed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So they are like literally like like smaller versions of what the dinosaur versions of them are, and they do right. like they are the creature that doesn't look like they should be here. They look alien right. and they look right. monstrous. It looks like it like especially when they have like the moss on them yeah. and they're like, you know, they I'm like that's a boogeyman. Like yeah. that's what people think are <laughs> if you didn't know it existed and you told someone about it, they'd be like get the hell out of here. You, you made that I mean? up, man. Like sharks, I understand. Like sharks sound like something that should exist in this planet. Right. Those fuckers? <laughs> no. Like no, not at all. They're so freaky. Um, but yeah, so I, I was like, wow, this is cool, you know, and I love the, like the houseboat thing mm -hmm. and like how the, how it's like half in the water and stuff. And it gives that really like flirty vibe. Um, and even right away, right, like right before that scene where um, all of a sudden you find out that 
you know, they just got here, but they've actually been here like a couple days by yeah, now. Yeah, four days or it, something, like and they just don't loss. have memory of it, yeah. That right away freaks me out, and I'm like, okay, pretty much any, this movie, can, pretty much anything could happen at this point. <laughs> <laughs> if a clown comes out a drain, I'm out of this. Uh... <laughs> but I love how quickly, like, the plants and the life and the matter is overtaking yeah. the world you know it's i think it's been they i think they say in the movie it's been a couple years since it first crash landed that's right yeah. and the expansion of it even though like it's years it's still very fast but very slow you know mm -hmm. what i mean like on certain levels it's very slow because it's this slowly expanding thing but when you look at the grand scheme of things, you know, three years and you already took over a whole entire state, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it, it it's going to be over with quick. But yeah, I, I, I think that the entire first set and I think the, the crocodile is like the perfect, like first monster creature thing to introduce uh, the albino. Yeah. Um, it's when they open it, its mouth and they're they're counting the uh, it's the co the the conversation because it's the first time like you mentioned that you really get a good grasp of right. This is fusing things, this is mm -hmm. fusing DNA from different creatures and building weird hybrids that I mean what what's more dangerous than a like a, an alligator or a crocodile? Oh, one that's been fused with a shark. Awesome. <laughs> right. Like it could be like I don't now know. I got rows of teeth. Okay, it's like. I guess if, you know, this creature hasn't changed in millions of years, yeah. it's like, I guess adding teeth yeah. <laughs> would be like the, the best thing to do because, you know, there's really don't need anything else. Maybe just a couple more teeth. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting there going, could it not be fused with like, I don't know, like a gerbil or something, something like <laughs> non, like non-threatening though, just like, it really like, it's like sending like a, it's like, it's like, it's like sending a, like a serial killer on martial arts training, like, like, yeah, like, right. Should make him a more effective killer. You know what I mean? Like, what, what the fuck are we doing here, nature? Um, I, I, like, I absolutely love that. I, I think as well when you get to, because this is what I'm talking about. Like, you hear that as a concept, and then your brain starts thinking of the worst. And then when you see those like deer-like creatures with flowers in their in their antlers, it's a beautiful scene. But then you see the beauty in that, and I love because you then think, oh right, it's not all evil. Um, and like I, I love like because the movie kind of just you would expect with it being the sort of movie is that progression is going to get worse as you go along, and actually, it doesn't. There aren't in terms of dangerous creatures or animals, there aren't many. There's really the alligator, and then there's the, the there's the bear. bear. Um, the rest of it is all like a concept of what people will do to themselves as this mm -hmm. slowly starts to degrade your your your, your genes. But on top of that as well, the and we're, it's one of the one of the most iconic scenes made the posters everywhere is maybe one of the most beautiful, hauntingly horrifying things I've ever seen. Is that what happens essentially to the guy whose stomach had been opened, and then we see him in the like empty swimming pool, and the bottom half of his body is like out of what appears to be like an inverted tree stump, and then we see that his body and this is very the thing. His body's been elongated, his torso is now kind of extended out with, but then his skull is even further out with his jaw, but it's like beautiful flowers and greenery around it. And it's this yeah. beautiful yet fucking horrific scene in the movie of, well, this is what this is what happened to him. This is what's going to happen to us. It's the kind of, it's that, it's like the, it's like the scene where you see the kind of, the, the, the body's, all morphed and like distended in the thing it's that, that same idea yep. over here that's ultimately is this what it's turning us into is this what fate is left for us and none of them go that way and that's the, uh, that was his fate for whatever reason none of the rest of them go that way you know Jennifer Jason Lee is consumed by light uh, like we mentioned before Cass her throat's ripped out by the bear um, the, the the woman with the tattoo who goes a bit crazy um, she dies by bear uh, she gets her face ripped off by the bear um, that one woman has changed into plants and ultimately Natalie Portman is uh, replaced it, it would seem um, either by the uh, like a version of the entity at some point during their blackout sequences or Furthermore, on top of that, because I remember reading things like that. Well, you know, how does she get out? We see her blackout, but when she comes to, 
the you know the the kind of the doppelganger version of hers in the room and we see her clearly die with flames so how does that work and then you also have to think to yourself well the story that you're getting is the story she's telling that guy so there is there is a, almost a, a a level of like we're being retold a story from the perspective of someone that isn't them so how that story ends might not be the way it actually happened and that's why I love the ending so much because regardless what version we believe whether it's that version that we see or some other version ultimately at the end it's not the original Natalie Portman character that's there <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean she's not the one that's there at the end and it appears these scientists are very aloof they don't really give a fuck that much <laughs> for like all the yeah like the story that I tell you that the aliens are changing anatomy and all the rest by the time that they, she's sitting there drinking her water which you know m like molecularly changes in the cup after she's drank it like she gets up and everyone's like cool right I think we're case closed and I'm like well no she's been in the we're not gonna like, did no one watch Alien should we not like have her quarantined for like a year or something we're not doing that um, I kind of, I kind of love that element as well. I suppose one thing I want to touch on, not only the visual styling, because this we mentioned it before, it is an incredibly beautiful movie. I mean, I can't stress that enough. Like, there's almost like every frame or every second frame in this movie is easily something that you could print out and like hang on your wall. It's just a beautiful movie. Now you um, were telling me that you were going to bust open the old 4K for this. I imagine this movie sings in 4K. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it is uh amazing. And and I'm actually saddened that you never got a chance to see this in the theater because yeah. the director is correct. It, it's definitely a movie you want to see on the big screen, but the second best way to see it would be the 4K. Yeah. It's, it's on the it's on the list. X Machina has also just been given a, a 4K uh, boost, so and I do have a giant telly now, so I'm like, yeah, that's that's definitely gonna happen. The last thing I was gonna say as well is the score. So we noted in X Machina the score really worked with it. It really works here as well. It's kind of synthy. It's kind of, but it's also got like has a big feel behind it. You know, like has a yeah. has like a, like a prominent big like soundscape about it as well, which I think works well as well as the sim design. Like some of those animal scenes um through a good like sim system once again benefiting from being at a cinema um mm -hmm. it you know it has those things where you hear like creaks and noises in the background which adds to the tension i imagine if you saw it without like that the volume was down or, or whatnot at home some of those horror elements that we're talking about maybe don't like boost over as much as they do but yeah, I think I'd like and and kind of summation to annihilation. I think it's a fucking incredible achievement, um, like a building of ideas and concepts, which we've mentioned before, is basically kind of the, the 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 fertile playground of science fiction is the ability to really push those kind of ideas of humanity, you know, where we're going, uh, where we've come from, and what may lie beyond, and it, it manages to do that in a remarkably interesting way without sacrificing anything at all this is a movie which i heard some people moan about like takes too long to do things and i would disagree i actually think this I movie disagree yeah i think it cruises by for two hours easy yeah I, it, I remember um like watching it and literally there was like 30 minutes left and i'm like holy crap this thing just cruised <laughs> by <laughs> there's always there's always a conversation happening or a set piece and design or them moving to a new area and is discovering it all the way through this movie is never and it never stagnates at all in any way shape or form i think that's i think that's to me this is the movie once again that kind of just proved that and we've been there where there's like a director releases a movie and you're like uh, right, we'll see how we get on with like, I'm hearing a lot of big words being thrown out about this guy. Let's see how movie two lands and then watching this one going, yep, real deal, right? <laughs> like, I yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I totally you, you do. You do it once, okay, maybe yeah. it's, uh, you know, just, you know, lucky. But mm -hmm. if, if you, your second movie, it's like, okay, now I got to watch everything this guy does going forward. A hundred percent. Anything you want to say in summation to Annihilation? um no i i will just say that that the to me i've always 
said, you know, the first 90 minutes is free, but if you start going over 90 minutes, then I'm going to be extra critical on, <laughs> on your, I, your, your decision to do that. And mm-hmm. whenever I don't even think about that, I usually think that the movie is really good. Excellent. Excellent. Well, now this is the important bit. JP, this is the bit like we've went through the things. People are like, yeah, we've seen the movie, Duncan. We've seen the movie, JP. We know, right? But what we need to know is, does it top the list? So this is the first time that actually our decisions matter because <laughs> last time there was only one movie, so we could only say it was the one movie. Um, so the question that we need to answer amongst ourselves is: two movies in to the three film filmography of one Mister Alex Garland, what movie? is at the top and I'm going to say it Annihilation like on this fourth viewing for me I I think Ex Machina is an incredible movie but it's an incredible movie that feels very insular feels very small and that benefits it you know it's almost a single set location um, it's you know very minimal cast and it, it really kind of like I say focuses in on those elements and works a lot better than it should however in this arena where we're actually talking about a much bigger scope the ability to fuck that up is so much easier and the fact he manages to deliver it in the way he delivers it makes me like definitely lean into say that two movies in Annihilation is his best movie. JP, where are you landing on this one? Do you agree or disagree? I was so nervous like coming this is what I had thought about after I finished the movie and I was like, damn, I, I hope we agree. Like I don't <laughs> I like I, I was nervous about it because I really love this movie. Yeah. And I think that it has everything that Ex Machina has plus more, right? Because it has like all the things that we loved about Ex Machina, Mm -hmm. but it also has a bigger scope and and more ideas and stuff. So to me, it's his best movie. Nice. Right. Well, we will see on the final episode if Annihilation can hold on to the top spot or will the plucky... I was going to say plucky young upstart. Um, I don't think it's that. The very non-sci-fi movie and very much a horror movie, Men Will Take Its Place. Uh, JP, as always, thank you very much for jumping on and doing this show with me. Uh, We will be concluding our run for now on the next episode. You are obviously tethered to this show from now on as and when Garland does more movies, of which he is working on one right now. So um, he's doing something with A24 at the moment. Uh, with a release date. That is amazing news. (laughs) Yeah, I I believe the release schedule for the movie is next year, so we may be back sooner than people think. But uh, you're a busy guy yourself, and I now note that you have... 22 Shots is back, and you're doing a a subject that is near and dear to my heart. So uh, let the people know what you've got planned, where they can check out, and your shows in general, buddy. Yep, uh, we are doing our 22 shots return and uh we're right in the midst of italian horror month (sighs) so that is four weeks uh four directors 12 films (laughs) of the italian variety Mm -hmm. we started off with the one and only great lucio falci yeah and then this week we are doing our second edition of umberto lenzi and then the week after, we will be tackling our second edition of uh, Sergio Martino. Oh, nice. And then our final week is, um, I forget the guy's name because he hasn't been around for long, but he's the first modern Italian director Ooh. that we're doing. And he directed the film Abracadabra, uh, Deep oh, yeah. Deep Sleep or something. And then um, also Francesca. Uh, yeah. It's like Ornetti or something is the last yeah, name Yeah, that's right. He's, um, oh, fuck. He's, um, he's Italian and is he from Chile as well or Argentina? Is he Italian? I think so. Argentina? I think it's so. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen Francesca. I've never seen any of the other movies he's done. I've only so. seen Francesca as well, but I liked Francesca. Yes. So we're, we'll see if the other two films are, are on par, but yeah, that was our first ever modern Ooh. director that yep. we've done. Cause typically we've always done, you know, the people that were making films in the 60s 70s and 80s sometimes 90s but yeah so this is going to be a, a big year for italian horror month that's 22 shots of moods and horror you find us on youtube spotify anchor all the places 
Nice, nice. Yeah, you got some quality names in there as well. Like whenever you're talking about Filci or Martino, you're, you've got a happy Duncan. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like very, very smiling in that one. Interestingly enough, one of my favourite movies this year uh, was directed by an Italian. Uh, not quite a. It's kind of horror fantasy action. But I saw it at Fright Fest, and it's the most expensive Italian movie ever made, and it's called Freaks Out. Um, Interesting. It, That's it's a, fucking incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Like, be prepared to sit down and have your your mind blown. It's like watching. Nice. It's like, like like watching a Marvel movie. But like, let me just like spring the concept on you here. Right, concept is uh, freak show performers in a small circus. It's very Guillermo del Toro, by the way. Um, and the tricks that the performer actually powers that they have right so oh. that the strong man is actually strong so i think maybe a little bit of if you've ever seen the adventures of barman hunchet barman chosen um from the 80s it's kind of that that sort of level but it's set during the second world war and the nazis Dude, this sounds great <laughs> it's like it gives you like the nazis have occupied italy and um these freaks have to take down one of the generals who also runs a circus tent and he is a guy who takes ether to see the future and he's got damn yeah it's fucking (laughs) it's absolutely watch the trailer for freaks out and if you do not want to watch this movie after it you're dead inside it's fucking incredible and i i got for my uh, i got for my birthday my my kids got it for me because i told my wife my kids need to buy me this Uh, but i saw it back (laughs) in march and it's nuts it's absolutely incredible the horror elements are more in the the kind of worry side of things but the fantasy kind of action elements just different different world it's fucking awesome and it goes to prove that like italian cinema is very much healthy <laughs> still very much on that's the awesome that's good to hear that is great to hear yes sir yes sir right well we are going to bring this in ladies and gents we will be back in a few weeks time we'll be concluding this three series run on mr alex garland with his final movie men so until then please take care of yourselves out there and we will speak to you next time <laughs>